Okay, one more verse here. All right, that's enough of that. What's going on, everybody? Welcome on into the Check Your Brain podcast. Here, the final podcast, the final free on the podcast platforms podcast of the year. Hi, everybody, of 2023. I had to play that. That is Fallout Boy with their version of We Didn't Start the Fire. Now, I had to play it because, number one, it was one of the biggest rock songs of 2023, which is very sad. Number two... It, apparently, the song is supposed to cover from when Billy Joel left off, which was 1989 when the original We Didn't Start the Fire came out. Number three, um, it's all over the place. I thought with Billy Joel's version, it kind of keeps a chronological feel to it, and yet they're bringing up Cambridge Analytica, which was a couple of years ago, Rodney King, which was 31, now going on 32 years ago, well, actually, 33, technically, in 1991, uh, in the L.A. riots, 92, and then he's bringing up Tiger Woods, but Tiger Woods could be 97, could be 2000, could be 2009, could be just a couple of years ago when he won his last, probably his last Masters. Uh, it's all over the place. And number four, and most importantly, who was asking for another version of that song? Actually, number five, I'll, I'll add to it, maybe... Like four, that was four A. How about four B? Why Fallout Boy decided, guys, we are the Billy Joel of our generation. Let's do a version of We Didn't Start the Fire, but let's cover everything 1989 to the present, and therefore we can have a band that's uh, I don't know from 2023 until let's see, what would that be? 34 years. So yeah, okay. That sounds good. So, so uh, some band, which we probably won't be playing instruments by then in, oh, let's do some quick math, 2057, 2057, we're going to do another version of We Didn't Start the Fire. That's just what we're going to do. Or not. Let's not do that. Again, hi, everybody. Welcome on into the Check Your Brain podcast, the final one of the year. And this is the one that covers the big stories. Now, <clears throat> For start, just to start off, uh, go check out my Patreon and on Rumble. I have a corresponding podcast with this as well. You would think it's the same, but it's not. This podcast covers the stories chronologically. Yes, unlike Fallout Boy, mine covers from January until the present day. The next podcast, it's a brother or sister podcast or a they them podcast, and it corresponds with this one, but it's the top stories, the top 10 stories. So a lot of what you will hear in tomorrow's podcast will be covered today. However, it's going to be more centered on the biggest stories in my critiques and commentary with them, as opposed to this one's more audio clips and, hey, I forgot, gosh, I didn't know that was in January. Didn't know we dealt with that in uh, 2023. So that's what I'm going to do here in this podcast. So I hope you enjoy it. I'm going to do what I can for you. Uh, so starting off, uh, uh, we'll go on about what kind of year this is. This is one of those years that I look at 2019 was. Could this be a calming of the storm or was this calm at all? 
it doesn't seem very calm, right? Doesn't it seem like everything's been inflamed and ablaze? Really has. And I, I think we're a little bit more hip to it, or shall we say woke to it, um, about some of the things that lead up to an election year, some of the shenanigans that uh, if you think this year is crazy, wait till next year. I think we're prepared that next year is going to be crazy. We thought 2020 was going to be crazy. We didn't even expect any of that. But I think 2023 showed a repudiation of a lot of stuff that did come out of 2020, whether it was we can finally start questioning the COVID regime. We can start questioning things about election shenanigans that we may not have been able to before. I'm going to get to all of that in the podcast. And again, check out tomorrow's show. And if you want to check these out, go to my Patreon at patreon.com slash Tony Mazur. So let's get started. What was the first big stories? So let's start in January right now. A couple of the big stories that popped out almost as soon as the clock struck January, we heard about this guy who plays for the Buffalo Bills named DeMar Hamlin. DeMar Hamlin takes a hit, and he drops on the field, and he's motionless. And some are wondering if he died on the field, if this was a, another Hank Gathers situation, if this was another Reggie Lewis, if this was another... Um, who's the hockey player that had uh, just brain bleed? This is back before the helmets in the early 70s, I believe. And it was one of those cases where we may have seen a death on the field they couldn't keep the game going. Buffalo didn't know what to do. He's not in Buffalo. He's in Cincinnati. So does he stay in the Cincinnati hospitals? Whatever the case. And of course, because we live in these times, there's a lot of people questioning if DeMar Hamlin had something going on that uh, he may have put something in his body the last couple of years that may have had some negative effects on his heart. And uh, and then there were conspiracy theories with that if DeMar Hamlin actually was dead and that that was an imposter wearing a mask when they were showing him in Orchard Park for the, I believe, for the playoff game that they had. They showed him in the sweep, but he was wearing a mask. And so some were wondering if that was a, uh, a body double. That was kind of the craziness that kind of began in January. And then it continued. We have, uh, these are the other stories. By the way, this is a lot of stuff that I have covered on my Patreon podcast. I, my show prep was I went through my Patreon, like every post that I put up in 2023 and what I discussed and started just going up and down the list and saying, okay, when was this? Oh, January, let's go for it. Uh, found out that Joe Biden also has class, classified documents. 2022, uh, Donald Trump had some documents that were in a bathroom in Mar-a-Lago and we had to make a big deal about it and everything. And then they come to find out that Joe Biden has a garage full of documents. And he's like, hey, man, what's going on? It's next to my Corvette. No one's, uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's a very safe place. Oh, you know, I got my Corvette, my classified documents. But I hand them over. Okay. Okay, Joe. So remember, as we'll learn in throughout the podcast here, is that you, they're allowed to do things. You're not allowed to do things. So that's uh, one of the big things that popped up with that. Then, speaking of government action or inaction, we heard in 2022 about a potential gas stove ban in the state of New York, that the, the interim, then interim, now she is the governor of New York and Kathy Hochul, decided, hey, let's all do a gas stove ban. 
And uh, and then it came out and there was a big backlash because there's a lot of pizza joints and Italian restaurants in New York that need gas stoves. And there was there's and they're like, no, 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 no one's taking away your gas stove. No one's come on, you Alex Jones conspiracy theorist. Put the tinfoil hat away. No one's taking away your gas stove. Well, guess what? In January, they announced that, hey, by the way, we're going to start taking gas stoves in the next couple of years. You're going to have to go electric or what? So, again, and, and it's funny because in that time, so this is in January. We have now seen politicians take pictures of themselves in their kitchens. I believe Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and maybe Ilhan Omar, but I definitely know it was uh, Kamala Harris and her husband, Doug, Doug Emhoff, are taking picture for Thanksgiving, like, happy Thanksgiving, whatever. And you see, hey, by the way, is that a gas stove that's in your kitchen right now, you know, the gas stoves that you told us we can't have in the next couple of years, that we could be arrested for having a gas stove. Isn't that funny? Yeah, I guess not. Uh, government in action. Uh, in, throughout 2021 into 2022, we had heard about shipping containers that were waiting to dock, and there was a massive issue with a travel situation. There was a massive issue all over the place when it came to what we're doing as far as getting, whether it's the boats or or, or trucks to their docks. And there was a, just a whole blockade that was happening. And we're saying, where's our transportation secretary? Well, our transportation secretary bought a child. Yes, he rented a womb of a woman, him and his husband, and, uh, yeah, and then he was, I guess, chest-feeding and taking mater paternity, maternity photos in the bedroom. And so he took time off so he can be home with his newborn for whatever reason while the country is just it's going into complete chaos. Well, uh, in early January, the FAA, there was a massive glitch that was—it uh, was huge. This huge glitch that had popped up where they had to ground flights all over the place. I mean, it was it was incredible, and of course he has to be Mayor Pete has to be blamed. But we kind of came to the conclusion that uh, Mayor Pete, the reason he's not getting blamed, and we'll get to him a little bit more in just a little bit because we have another thing in February that popped up that we needed him, and he was nowhere. But uh, it's pretty evident that Mayor Pete, Pete Buttigieg, got the role of transportation secretary and has had any kind of credence is solely because he's an affirmative action hire. He was a gay guy, and give him a job in the cabinet. Why not? Well, here's the story, if we want to go back in time. And this is uh, a big story. The FAA has grounded all American flights. Everything in the United oh States God. right now has oh been gosh. stopped due to a system outage. According to an FAA advisory, the outage affects what is known as the Notice to Air Mission System. That system relays important time-sensitive information to pilots and airports across North America until they get that back up and running. No planes are flying in the United States of America. There's no estimated time as of this moment for restoration. We, of course, will let you know um, as soon as we get news on this. But obviously, this is setting up now to be a very messy day if you're traveling by air. It was so funny when he's getting blamed for this, as he should. I mean, it's just like a referee or an umpire in sports that the best referees, the best, the best of the best, you don't know their name because they just do their job. 
if you know who Angel Hernandez is, if you know who C.B. Buckner is, it means they're not doing a good job. I mean, no one knew who Jim Joyce was until he blew that perfect game call for Armando Galarraga. But other than that, he had been a pretty solid umpire umpire for many decades. Um, No one's supposed to know who the transportation secretary is in this country. Yet we know because he's a gay guy, an affirmative action hire, and he was largely incompetent. But if you brought up the fact that he got that job because he's gay, you were homophobic, that you don't understand that he, it, it, you only attack him because of who he loves and not from, for his job. And I'm like, no, that's, that's the opposite. I'm attacking him for his poor performance at his job. You're defending him because he's gay. But we'll get to Mayor Pete a little bit more here in just a couple of minutes because there's plenty more where he comes from. Um, oh, this was just kind of a funny thing. Joe Biden used to talk about how when he was a kid, he would go to black churches. He would go to the, go to the regular church, but then he'd go to the black church. Hey, you know, at 7 a.m. we'd go to, black, but go to church, but then we'd go to the black church, and they'd be clapping and dancing. And then what happened? He goes to a black church, and he, he looks like a dog being shown a card trick. It's just, it's incredible if you've seen the video. And it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's a visual because what you're seeing is everybody's having a good time and they're in church and we're clapping and singing. And then Joe Biden just like, where, where, where am I? Where's all the people here? I don't know what's going on. It's just, it, it's hilarious. But he made it seem like, oh, you know, I go to a black church. Uh, that's what I did growing up. <laughs> a couple other quick stories I'll mention in January. Then we'll head on to February with one of the big stories. Uh, the Paul Pelosi body cam footage was released. And for me, it seemed pretty obvious what was going on. They made it seem like when he was attacked in October of 2022, he was attacked by some lunatic, MAGA, homeless guy who who was a big conspiracy theorist. He was attacked uh, in his home, but it started really coming out that Paul Pelosi, maybe a little, uh, shall we say, light in the loafers, and he, uh, he brought this gentleman over and, uh, and had, a, had his way with him. And when the cops were coming over, and then they show him swinging his hammer, and they said, Paul Pelosi, 82 years old, has been hit with a hammer, expected to make a full recovery. How does an 82-year-old who gets hit with... If I get hit with a hammer, I'm in my mid-30s. If I get hit with a hammer, I'm either going to be mentally uh, unkempt or might be dead. How does an 82-year-old who gets bludgeoned with a hammer make a full recovery? Almost seemed like the video showed it was a little bit out of frame. Just my opinion. Didn't think there was a lot to that. And then finally, in January, there was a story of a Memphis... Uh, the, the Memphis police shot a guy. And they're like, uh-oh, police shoots black man. This is going to be huge. Until you realize they were black cops. It was black cops in a black area with a black mayor and a black police chief and black this, black that. And it started coming out that these police members infiltrated, or the, 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 there were gang members who infiltrated the police department, became officers because everybody, they needed police officers, and that there was a little bit of a grudge that was against the man that they, they had murdered. That, uh, so that story went away very quick, but I just thought I'd mention that. It was, yeah, it was the Mem- Memphis gang 
And uh, yet, no, we don't talk about that anymore because it didn't fit the narrative. It didn't fit the narrative of Derek Chauvin. It didn't fit uh, white guy murders black guy. It was black guy murdered by black cops. Although some tried to make that about white supremacy by saying it doesn't matter if the cops are black, if the police chief and the lieutenant are black, if the mayor is black, if the city council is black, they're participating in a white supremacist system. And when you say that, you're like, wow, boy, that's quite a pretzel that you turned, turned out here. Um, all right, let's go into February. The uh, Grammy Awards, this is kind of a funny story. The Grammy Awards were, were there, and uh, yeah, we see Sam Smith. Sam Smith, who used to have a very, I don't want to say operatic, but kind of a crooner type of vibe to him. Yes, he was a gay guy, but I, we, we've dealt with gays in the music industry in Hollywood. It's okay. But then he decided, no, I need to up up the ante. Then he became non-binary. Then he became really fat. And then all this, now his performances were just really grotesque and even satanic. And there was a lot of blood red Satan imaging at this Grammys. And so he gets done and guess who sponsored it? So, yeah, if you didn't catch that one, that was the Grammys are sponsored by Pfizer. There you go. <laughs> Their big sponsor was Pfizer. Of course, because of course it was. Um, uh, we'll get to that here in a second. Uh, John Fetterman announced that he had depression. John Fetterman, this whole thing. So there's a couple of stories with Fetterman that we'll, we can cover this year, but I can mention them right now. John Fetterman, who was elected senator in Pennsylvania last year. And Fetterman was a guy that is a, he suffered a stroke during the campaign. He was a stroke victim that he announces, I mean, John Fetterman, understand, he's a Harvard communist and he has a bunch of tattoos. He was a failed mayor of a borough outside of Pittsburgh named Braddock, Pennsylvania. And he ended up rising because he's a communist, but he's from this blue-collar, hard-working town. Okay. And he ends up uh, getting into be, be running for Senate, even though he has a stroke. And they did everything they could. Mail-in ballots, um, not having him debate Dr. Oz. So people were filing, you know, filing their ballots. They filled them out, sent them along before there was a debate and he can't he opened the debate in 2022 with hi good night everybody and he won now is that more of an indictment on the voters voting for a stroke victim or an indictment on dr oz not being a serious candidate so fetterman is now in office and he's got to start wearing a suit well he's not comfortable in a suit now he's depressed so he takes a medical leave for depression and his his wife, Giselle, and their kids are taking trips. While he's in a mental hospital at, like, Johns Hopkins, they're going to Niagara Falls, and they're going all around the country. So it's like, well, Dad's locked away. Dad's in the loony bin. Hey, let's let's go have a good time. Um, and then, uh, so we were starting to hear about his dress code, that in order for John Fetterman, this is later in the year, but I'll mention it just because I'm mentioning Fetterman right now, that he's not comfortable wearing suits. He likes wearing his Carhartt hoodies and shorts. So he's in the Senate chambers wearing a Carhartt hoodie, wearing essentially gym clothes. What I wore to the gym before I did this podcast, that's what he was wearing in the Senate. There was no decorum. There was none of that. There was no respect for it because we have to make sure that this lummox 
knows what he's, you know, knows that he can be comfortable. No, I'm sorry. Then you're not, you're not made out for this. You need to go. But it seems like John Fetterman likes his time here and wants to stay. And he's even going against his own rabidly progressive base with the uh, Palestine-Israel conflict by supporting Israel, by being a very team Zionist. And you think, oh, that's going to be bad for the Democrat Party because Democrats are very pro-Palestine. Not the voters. I mean, not the donors. Maybe even the voters. The boomer voters in Pennsylvania are more apt to voting for somebody, even if they're a Democrat, as long as they're pro-Israel because there's a lot of Christian Zionists who believe that Israel, the land of Israel, is our promise. There's the promised land, the chosen people, and everything. So, John Fetterman may be going against the radical wing of the left left wingers, but he knows where the donors are, and the donors are very pro-Israel. So that's why he is probably going to stick stick around for a little bit longer. Uh, one year of the Ukraine war, and this started up towards the end of February of 2022, and. It's, people are waking up to realizing that there's there's no off-ramp here. And even to this day, as I record this podcast, there's no off-ramp. What's the off-ramp? If, if, there was a, if they came to the negotiating table right now, Zelensky and Putin, Putin's going to get what he wanted in the first place, and you just murdered you know, hundreds of thousands of people needlessly over this conflict, and that this should have been brought to the negotiating table in March of 2022. Here we are on the cusp of 2024, and we're still seeing Vladimir Zelensky in his Castro fatigues in Washington, D.C., hat in hand like he's Oliver Twist. We need more money. We need more weapons. We need more help us out anything we we can. I mean, come on. Who's buying this anymore? And, and, And it's increasing the awareness of people waking up and saying there's there's no point to this for all the people who had their pro-ukraine flags and their bios and slava ukraine all of that i live in a very ukrainian area right now and i still see the flags i understand that if you're if you're ukrainian if you are from the area known as ukraine and you migrated to the united states and you still go to your churches and everything i get that you're supportive of it but i think a lot of people started waking up and when we're sending tens of billions of dollars over to Ukraine constantly. And then we look at our streets and the, the, the drug overdoses and the homeless and the border. And more people started waking up, like not, not just conservatives and independents, but even Democrats were like, guys, this is just, this is like a sieve right now. This is leaking. We don't, we're just pouring more money. We don't know what we're getting out of this. So that was a huge, huge thing. And uh, Joe Biden, of course, had to tell everybody, Peter, as long as it takes, long as it takes. I think one of the biggest stories of the year, again, that I'll cover in tomorrow's big podcast, is the East Palestine rail disaster. And uh, this was in early February, where we were seeing mushroom clouds in East Palestine, Ohio, about an hour and hour and change away from where I'm broadcasting right now. I've been to East Palestine. I drove through there after that. It's small town America. Try that in a small town. We'll get to that later. Try that in a small town where it's, they have a McDonald's. They have one of those Pizza Hut Wing Street things. They have a marathon gas station and small little businesses. And that's the town. People live on the outskirts. There's more churches than there are restaurants, which is great. But it's small town America. 
and there was a rail disaster that happened, and for weeks, weeks, plural, nobody did anything about it. Where was the EPA? Where were the government? Where was where was Pete Buttigieg? Where was Joe Biden? Where were any of these people to finally speak up about what was happening? Instead, we had Mayor Pete, good old once again Mayor Pete Buttigieg, our transportation secretary. He cared more about racist bridges. I'm not kidding. An underpass was constructed such that a bus carrying mostly black and Puerto Rican kids uh, to a beach, or there would have been, uh, in New York was was designed uh, too low for it to pass by. But that obviously reflects racism that went into those design choices. Um, I don't think we have anything to lose by confronting that simple reality. And I think we have everything to gain by acknowledging it and then dealing with it, which is why the reconnecting communities, that billion dollars, is something we want to get to work with. So that's what he was busy... Mind you, that's not completely out of context. That's not from several weeks ago, a month ago, maybe two years ago. That was February 16th of 2023, meaning there is still a cloud hovering overhead with chemicals in East Palestine, Ohio. And yet he's there at the White House talking about how uh, Robert Moses, this is rumored, the, the, the claim was that Robert Moses constructed his bridges to be too low for city buses. So people coming from the inner city heading out towards Long Island, towards a couple of uh, some of the beaches and Rockaway and everything, that he made them smaller so city buses can't go through there because he was racist. The re- real reason is it wasn't black people he wanted to keep out. He wanted to keep poor people out. And that's why, but they have to make it seem like, oh, he, it was about his racism. That's what he cared about. People don't know if they can drink the water. They don't know if they can live in a town because of a of trains, Norfolk Southern, and government railways that went through East Palestine, Ohio. They don't know where to turn. And our secretary's talking about bridges are racist. <laughs> can you believe that? Here's There are people going to the creeks. And the river, I don't think there's a river, but I know there's a creek that runs right through. And it goes through people's yards. I drove through there in East Palestine. And they're like, this water is oily. We, we can't have any of this. Wow. Look at all that. Look at it. It's all in the bottom of the creek bed. It's amazing. I mean, what they did is they threw a rock into this creek, and as soon as the water bubbled because of the rock heading to the bottom, you just see this rainbow of oil that pops up. This was, again, this was February 16th, 2023, the day that the transportation secretary is talking about bridges being racist. People are saying, I don't know if I can drink this water. We can't bathe in it. We don't know what to do. They're still to this day looking for answers that they didn't get. At least Donald Trump went there because that was the thing. Donald Trump, some people are going to say Trump only went there because he knew it was good for his voters. Yeah, of course it he did. Yes, it was politics. You're supposed to. That's what politics is. You're supposed to do that. These are people that in, in Columbiana County, 70% of them voted for Donald Trump in 2020. 
Also, about that percentage was not vaccinated for COVID. So you start looking at it and you realize it was very good for Trump to go there, but there's almost no reason for Joe Biden. The reason Joe Biden did not go to East Palestine, he's flown over it. They've shown his flight patterns uh, and, and flight paths from all places that he has flown to. He has literally flown over East Palestine. There was a couple of months ago he was doing some ridiculous Democrat fundraiser in Milwaukee. And they show the flight plan from Milwaukee, from the, from MKE, or wh wherever he took off from, to the White House. Flies directly over Columbiana County and East Palestine, but didn't stop there. And he said, oh, maybe I'll go, I'll go to, oh, maybe I'll go there. No, he's not. And it probably is good politics for him not to go there, because that 70% who voted for Donald Trump in 2020, it's going to be 95% that will vote for Donald Trump in 2024. Because Trump at least went there and Trump cared and, and showed that he cared. He went over to McDonald's and bought everybody McDonald's. He even, he even spoke there, for God's sake. Well, to the people of East Palestine and to the nearby communities in Ohio and Pennsylvania, uh, we have told you loud and clear you are not forgotten. You are not forgotten. We stand with you, we pray for you, and we will stay with you in your fight to help answer and the accountability that you deserve. We'll have that accountability. It'll all be out there very clearly. So he went there. I mean, he actually went there. Again, is it good for politics? Sure. Then Pete Buttigieg went there the next day. Pete wasn't going to go there at all. Because he knew that, once again, it's not good for politics. This is Trump country. This is MAGA country. These people don't like East Coasters. They don't like highly, overly educated people like Pete Buttigieg to come there and lecture them on racist bridges. He's probably going to talk about how creeks are racist. Anything could be like that. Or it's homophobic. And again, if you criticize Mayor Pete, you're... So he goes there and he's putting the stupid hard hat on, like, in his high-vis vest... Come on, dude. We, you weren't going to go there, but you got cucked by Donald Trump. Trump went there, and ever since then, Trump's polls have actually been really, like, coming out of nowhere. Um, let's go on to, uh, at the end of February into March, Dilbert is a comic strip that's been around since also 1989. Dilbert, da, 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 Kevin Hobbs, Foxtrot. Garfield, Farsight, <laughs> Zitz and Marmaduke. Anyways, um, Dilbert came out in 1989 and was huge by the mid-90s because Scott Adams was putting his uh, email address that you can contact him directly on his pages. It was embraced by corporate America. You would put Dilbert cartoons because the boss reminded you of your boss. And Catbert and Ratbert and blah, blah, blah. You just go through the whole list. Dogbert and Wally. And, um, it was huge in corporate America. But in the last few years, Scott Adams had been a little bit more dissident with his viewpoints on political and social matters. And he's the one who really, he had the book, The Winning Bigly, the predicting Donald Trump was going to win in 2020, or I mean 2016, and it happened. And Scott Adams had been losing favor with the more establishment regime type of people, and he's been doing podcasts, I think it was called Coffee with Scott Adams. And he had mentioned a poll that was out of Rasmussen that said that uh, black people 
think that it's not okay for a white person to say they're okay to be white. And here's what he had to say, if you remember that. So if, if you know, nearly half of all blacks uh, are not okay with white people, according to this poll, not according to me, according to this poll, uh, that's a hate group. That's a hate group. And I don't want to have anything to do with them. And I would say, you know, based on the current way things are going, the best advice I would give to white people is to get the hell away from black people. Just get the fuck away. Wherever you have to go, just get away. Because there's no fixing this. And there's there's more context to what he's saying. I'm Obviously, I don't want to do an 18-hour podcast today, but the nuance in what he's saying was lost on people, but Dilbert got canceled by his syndication. He had a book that was coming out. They canceled that. Every newspaper had to come out with something like, Scott Adams is a racist. We don't... Our values. Yeah, your values. People in the media that want to talk about values. I mean, people in the media have been pushing for trans surgeries and openly cheering that. Yeah, you don't really care about the welfare of people. You don't care about your morality. Oh, see, we're, as people in the corporate press, we have a moral standard. Shut up. No, you don't. No, you don't. Just knock it off. So what he's saying is he's bringing up a quote, or a poll, that said that if, if half of black people think it's not okay, because they said, is it okay to be black? And Basically, 100% said, yeah, yeah, I think it's no problem for a black person to say that. So can you say that about being white? No. Because there was another story several months later, I believe it was, might have been in Washington, Washington State. And uh, there was a billboard or there was a sign that was outside of school that said, stop white hate. And that turned into it's anti-black to say stop white hate means it's racist towards black people? We're not saying that you vigilante. We're not saying, you know, it's uh, (laughs) death wish or anything like that. All we're saying is, hey, guys, uh, this anti-white hatred that you've been fomenting in the press, probably not a good idea. Maybe we should uh, back off from that. And that's now racist. So now because Scott Adams did that, he's essentially lost everything. The good news, and I think this is probably some of the best news to come out of recent memory, especially on modern day X slash Twitter, I'm still calling it Twitter, is that you can still have a career and be canceled. You can still make money. You can still do something. There was at one time where you can be a Jimmy the Greek, where you say something at a banquet after having a couple of cocktails, and your career is done. You can be Al Campanis on Nightline, and you say something fairly stupid. I get what he was trying to say, but pretty pretty dumb to do that on national TV. Done. Al Campanis was done. No saving. There was no redemption for Al Campanis. And, uh, but nowadays, you can say something, have the context, and Scott Adams can say, I got canceled from every newspaper, yet I'm still going to do my podcast because I'm on a free speech platform, and here's what I have to say. So if you agree with me, if you even if you don't agree with me, but you want to have a conversation, I'm still here. I'm still here, baby. Uh, also in March, we had uh, Tucker Carlson release the January 6th footage. And what, what am I talking? There was a little bit of it. Mike Johnson, the new Speaker of the House, has also released like tens of thousands of hours of it. And what I mean by that, it's 
different camera angles and everything. And they were accusing Tucker of cherry-picking. Jamie Raskin, I believe, Adam Schiff, and Chuck Schumer all said, Tucker Carlson is, he's cherry-picking things, thinking that January 6th wasn't a bad day. And my response, and I think a lot of people's, especially Tucker's, was, no, 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 you're cherry-picking. You cherry-picked a couple of examples of what you perceive was violence three, almost four Januaries ago. Yet we're showing more that it seemed like there were cops leading people on tours inside the Capitol, that it didn't seem as violent as you made it seem, that there were certain angles and they would wash out the color. Yeah, that seems more cherry-picked to me. And because of this, and hearing from Jacob Chansley, the, the horn hat guy, the Viking guy, he's out now, which I'm trying to get him on my podcast. I guess he's running for something and he wants to legalize drugs or something, but it, why not? Give it a shot. I don't care. Put me on a watch list. <laughs> and it's also funny that... Uh, Tucker, about a month later, got canned from Fox News because, oh, well, he was saying things about the election and the Dominion lawsuit. and So now Tucker is doing his own thing. He just started his own network, and he's been posting these amazingly good shows on Twitter. And, uh, and it's, but it's not sponsored by Twitter. He's just allowed to. He's not calling it Tucker Carlson tonight, which is what it was in Fox News. I know Fox has been trying to sniff around a lawsuit for him. Like, oh, you can't do a show. Uh, screw you. Yeah, I can do a show if I want to. Um, it was also the uh, third anniversary of COVID. I'll get to a little bit more on that tomorrow's show, but um, COVID ended up not being much of a thing. They tried scaring people in September with mask mandates. There was that uh, all-black school down in Atlanta and Lionsgate Studios. They said, we're going to reinstate and institute a mask mandate. And everyone's like, okay. You do that. We're not. We're not going to do it. I'm not going to wear a mask. I'm not. I'm going on a plane. I'm going to breathe the wonderful air that I get on a plane, and I'm going to go to a a, a a Kroger or a Safeway or a Giant Eagle, depending on where you're located, in Acme, and uh, I'm going to breathe the nice air as opposed to wearing a stupid mask. So all the COVID measures, the boosters, all of that. This was an absolute. 2023 was that repudiation of the entire regime. And this is the first Christmas I can even think of that Dr. Fauci isn't out there on CNN right now recommending that we needed to be uh, masked and boosted for our families gathering for Christmas, for Hanukkah, for God help us, Kwanzaa, winter solstice, and even New Year's. Well, you know, everybody's got to get the boosters and we got to be... We got to protect the vaccinated from the unvaccinated. Yeah, yeah, no. That's why Dr. Fauci is in the Bahamas, swimming in the water, and uh, living his life. Instead, he should really be in front of a Nuremberg-style trial and uh, be, be tried for something. Towards the end of the month, there was a shooting at a Christian school in Nashville, Tennessee. And it was Audrey Hale, who was a biological woman who was identifying as a dude, meaning Audrey was taking a lot of testosterone, was uh, uh, messing with her head and saying how um, it, it, then there were all of these, you know, all taking, there was a manifesto. There was only three pages that we got. I'm sure there's more. And of course, the, the local authorities and the feds were more upset that the manifesto, three pages of it had gotten leaked to Steven Crowder they were more mad at that than six people, including three children, were murdered in uh, 
in Nashville. But this is a woman who was pumped full of testosterone, was mad at white people calling us crackers and faggots, was one of the other things that I was hearing. And uh, there was a lot of other stuff that was in the leaked manifesto from Steven Crowder. And it was a weird time because even though Pride Month was still about two months away, we had to respect the transgender movement over that. I mean, that this is what was so bothersome during that time was instead of getting to the bottom of this and why this happened, because a lot of it was, you're, this is a girl who went to that same school, but also scoped out a couple of other schools that had more security, said, no, I'm going to go into the school that has lax or zero security, knowing that I can kill as many people as I want to without before uh, you know I, I get the trigger pulled on me. And that's why. Gun-free zones do not work. Gun-free zones just will leave you as sitting ducks. But, you know, that's a, another story. That's what we should have learned out of that. What we started learning is we need to start respecting pronouns or else we're going to see more stuff like this. We use his correct pronouns not out of respect for him, but out of respect for the entire trans community. This is what the transphobes have been waiting for. They've been waiting for this moment where a trans person snaps and does something disgusting. As a result, the trans community is going to see a dramatically increased wave of hate. Right now, more than ever, we need our allies in our corner. We need our allies defending us, and we need to continue to respect all trans people's pronouns, including this disgusting excuse for a human being's pronouns. That's all I have for this one. Bye. So that's some random TikTok trans person, trans activist, said that we must use the correct pronouns. Because that's what we had to learn from this, is when you're saying Audrey is now trans, meaning she now uses he, him pronouns. And it started rubbing people the wrong way, but according to this trans activist, you were thinking that there was going to be large attacks on the trans community. Karine Jean-Pierre was uh, the press secretary who, again, like Pete Buttigieg, was an affirmative action hire. She was only hired because she's black, she's gay, she's a woman, and I believe she was an immigrant. So four for four right there. Perfect. And after this, it was more as like, yeah, yeah, I know people were killed, but let's think about the trans community. Our, our hearts go out to the trans community. And then just recently, she had a statement where she said that we need to think about the uh, 26 trans people who were murdered this year. 26? So, I mean, uh, how many how many people die of shark attacks and spider bites in a year? So this trans genocide we've been hearing about for all these years that uh, trans people are always... No, they're not. A lot of trans people who are murdered are usually because of drug deals gone wrong, of prostitution of uh, something like that. And it's not, by the way, not done by white people. This isn't a situation, this isn't uh, Boys Don't Cry with Hillary Swank. This is not one of those, what, Matthew Shepard, is that what I'm thinking of? Uh, or was that the, I, I don't remember. But this is not one of those cases. And yet we had to hear about respect the pronouns, respect the pronouns. In fact, here's a video of, of rallies in, <laughs> that were, talking about how we need to remember the name and about gun violence. And they were holding up seven fingers after this, meaning there were seven victims. 
You say, well, wait a second, there were six people who were killed. No, there were seven if you include Audrey Hale, so therefore there were seven victims here. It's, it's just truly unbelievable. Every death is a tragedy, y'all. Seven lives. I'd say there were seven victims here. So these are Nashville at the, at the state capitol in Tennessee holding up seven fingers because there were seven victims of, what, seven? She's not a victim. She may, but that's what they were doing. But because of that, there was another corresponding story of the Tennessee Three. So there were, it, again, not getting to the heart of the issue, which is, mental illness. I mean, the whole, in my opinion, transgenderism is a mental disorder. This is a mental illness that has been uh, promoted by the media, by promoted by TikTok, and indoctrinating confused, sexually confused teenagers that, no, you're not gay. You're actually a woman. Oh, I'm a woman now? Oh, okay. Maybe that makes sense. See, it's society that's trying to take you down and tell you that you're somebody you're not and that we need to give puberty blockers to children because we don't want them being raised in the wrong puberty. Yes, that's the thing they've been talking about. That that's This is why you need to trans kids at three, at five, at seven, at nine years old because what if they start going through the wrong puberty? <clears throat> you can't wait until they're an adult to make that decision. That if they're a boy but identify as a girl and yet they're being raised and their testicles drop and everything you know it in going through the, those changes we can't allow that we need to make sure that you're a girl as soon as possible you need to be jazz jennings <laughs> it's, it's, it's incredible but then you had the tennessee three who they were more upset about gun violence and then they claimed racism because they were black uh The funny thing is, yes, this is an insurrection inside the... If we're looking by the rules that we've heard the last three years now, this is inside the Tennessee Capitol where you have people supporting gun reform protests. They, they arrive, they yell at Tennessee Republicans because they flouted the rules of procedure and decorum. And it's funny because they invaded the Capitol. They're busting on doors and everything, although that's not an insurrection. What you saw four Januarys, almost four Januarys ago, that's an insurrection at the Capitol. This wasn't. By the way, the U.S. Capitol has been taken over uh, a lot since then, too, but, you know, we, we won't mention that as an insurrection. Only, only, it only, remember, it's okay when they do it. It's not okay when you do it. And they're yelling at people. And the funny thing is I'm looking at this sign during this video and a woman's holding up a thing that says, this is what democracy looks like. Is it storming a Capitol because you think that Republicans are too lax on gun control measures and you storm the Capitol because of it? Why not try to vote them out? I thought that's what democracy, these are, in fact, these are democratically elected politicians, whether you like it or not, right? But then you realize, and I think people have, been a little more hip to it in 2023, that democracy is not what it means. Democracy, it's kind of like when we say USA. It doesn't stand for United States of America. It stands for usury, sodomy, and abortion. 
That's what we. That's what the greatest exports right now. We're exporting war, butt stuff, killing your baby, and uh, uh, interest on payments. That's about it. That's all we have. That's a wonderful country, wonderful society that we are really spreading to the rest of the world. No one, again, no wonder they hate us. They hate us for their for our freedom. Yeah, and I, I don't know, but that's what democracy. Democracy can be anything you want it to be. Um, let's see. Uh, country Music Awards honor drag queens because uh, the country music for people who don't know, and you'll, I'll talk about this when I mention the uh, Jason L. Dean and the Oliver Anthony, is that country music does not know their own audience. They hate their own audience. The people who live in, ironically, Nashville, but also I believe this was taking place in Austin, Texas, but the music industry, the country music industry has an open disdain for their own audience. They hate the people wearing John Deere trucker caps. They hate the people with the big 10-gallon hats and the big belt buckles and boots scooting at a local uh, honky-tonk. They hate those people. They want to be embraced by Madison Avenue. They want to be embraced by Hollywood. They don't want to be like, they don't, they don't want Cletus listening. They, they want somebody who lives in New York. That's why, why do you think the Garth Brooks, when Garth Brooks had that million person show in Central Park back in the 90s, they loved that because they wanted to spread this is, hey, it's Garth Brooks. You know, he's country, but he's also Big Apple country. Yeah, it's, uh, no, people, they, they really disdain their audience. So when you think of country music awards, you don't think drag queens, do you? No, but they're trying to condition everything to, that's why they've added the click tracks and the hip hop to country. That's not real country. That's not what people like. They like uh, like a good country song. Uh, you know, just go through the whole David Allen Coe. You never even call me by my name. It's what they want, ultimately. But no, they, they, they want drag queens and they want hip-hop in their country. And they don't, they don't really care about their audience. Um, also in April, we had this uh, gentleman. Hi. Impressive carrying skills, right? I got some Bud Lights for us. So, I kept hearing about this thing called March Madness, and I thought we were all just having a hectic month, but it turns out it has something to do with sports. And I'm not sure exactly which sport, but either way, it's a cause to celebrate. This month, I celebrated my day 365 of womanhood, and Bud Light sent me possibly the best gift ever, a can with my face on it. Check out my Instagram story to see how you can enjoy March Madness with Bud Light and maybe win some money too. So <clears throat> this ended up being a huge, huge thing that I don't think anybody was really, especially corporate America, was prepared for. So that's, of course, Dylan Mulvaney, who was a gay actor who during COVID decided I'm going to identify as a woman. And not only that, I'm actually going to go through surgery to shave off a little bit of my Adam's apple and become a, a woman, become a, was it Madeline or who was it in the hotel? And it was a huge backlash, but for two reasons. I don't even think it's so much the Bud Light cans that were that it, it, you want to talk about people who don't understand or don't care about their audience it was anheuser bush it was it, the american version of inbev they didn't actively did not care about their audience so why would we give why did they give it to dylan mulvaney is it because we are transphobic or what 
And what it came out was the marketing director or an executive who came out with the campaign and sent Dylan Mulvaney cans, which I believe, they haven't really confirmed this, but I believe they were going to do an entire, entire marketing campaign for Dylan Mulvaney. Um, that this was going to be a whole big red carpet rollout through the rest of, for the whole year. And I think the backlash, they put them back and they said, no, no, no. Now every commercial for Budweiser or Bud Light has to have the Clydesdales and, hey, we're a bunch of bros drinking. It's like, yeah, you, you blew it, man. You don't know your audience. And they, actually they said, I don't really care about their audience. We need to change things. We need to, so what they did is they found an influencer, a trans influencer who has a large following of people who don't drink Bud Light. So who drinks Bud Light? It's the guy who got off work at third shift. At 6 o'clock in the morning, he's going to that 24-hour bar or the bar that opens at 5, and he's drinking a Bud Light. That's the audience. The audience are blue-collar workers, not trans Instagram and TikTok influencers. And really, did that did that help? Did more trans and gays and LGBT, everything under that umbrella, did they all rush out in solidarity to buy Bud Light? Or did the Bud Light drinkers get Coors instead? They got something else. They got Modelo. They got, uh, I don't know, or maybe they just stopped drinking overall. It's They didn't care about their audience. They said they needed to change the image of frat boy, bro, barstool sports guys. And for what? For a beer that tastes really horrible. It's just carbonated urine, if you ask me. And, uh, I mean, what are you going to do about it? What are we going to do? <sighs> I don't know. So there's that. Uh, and there was a big backlash. And of course, other places like Target were getting it. But Bud Light got it good and hard. And even though I did see, I was actually going to get uh, some beverages today. I was at the store. And, and th there was a online rebate that you can get. You can get a 12-pack of, I think no, it, it might have been a case of Bud Light for $13. But you get a $10 rebate. So you get a 24-pack for 3 bucks, And there's some, again, working-class guy picked up and says, well, it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, they're buying off, buying you off. That's what they're doing. They're buying off the blue-collar people. They're like, all right, look, here's, here's our mea culpa. We're basically giving our beer away for free, knowing that there's going to be a lot of people who are going to try and get the rebate, and they just don't go through it. They drink it, and they forget about it. So Bud Light, they're, they're kind of back a little bit, but... And I'm not going to drink that. Now, I, there's a lot of people that will never drink Bud Light ever again. And I remember, and so I looked at him, and he's like, oh, it's a pretty good deal. I'm like, yeah, that's nice. I'm getting the Coors instead. <laughs> yes, I understand Coors and Jack Daniels. They've also done things with drag queens and everything. But more so the, the lesson with Dylan Mulvaney and this that came out this year was, guys, you, you got to know your audience, and you needed to learn your lesson. Did they learn? Well, I mean, according to all the commercials, I don't see drag queens. I don't see uh, trans influencers in their commercials. I see more back to the uh, red, white, and blue apple pie Chevrolet type of Budweiser commercials. So maybe they learned. Maybe they didn't. I guess we'll, I guess we'll never know. Um, let's see. A couple other things in April. I know this is going to be a super long podcast, but I may as well just go through it. I've got time. And I hope you are enjoying this this rundown of the year. Um, let's see. Ray Epps. This is what came out. Ray Epps, as we know, 
Oh, let me play a little bit of Ray up so people know who he was. If we don't forget. We need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. What? No. Peacefully. Fed. 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 Tomorrow. I don't even like to say it because I'll be arrested. Well, let's not say it. We need. We let's need to say go. It. I'll say it. Okay. We need to go in. Shut the fuck up, Boomer. To the Capitol. <laughs> yeah, so that's what we kind of figured out. That was Ray Epps leading into January 6th, telling people we need to go into the Capitol. And what happened to him? What happened to Ray Epps? I mean, I think they charged him with some ridiculous crime like uh, jaywalking or, uh, you know, maybe maybe it was public urination. Who knows? Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, he didn't get charged with insurrection. He didn't get, uh, what Enrique Tario and the Proud Boys and everybody got, where they're, they're upwards of 20 years behind bar. Enrique wasn't even at the Capitol that day, 20 years. Ray Epps is telling people to go into the Capitol, and what does he get? He gets to go on 60 Minutes and say, uh, been really uh, unfairly uh, categorized by Fox News and Tucker Carlson. I'm going to sue them. Uh, this is ridiculous that they're trashing my name. I was a Trump supporter, but I don't believe that stuff anymore. And the media just give them puff pieces. Unbelievable. Also in April, we were seeing that uh, RFK, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. announced that he was going to run for president. Uh, uh, He's trying to do what he can to get that other lane of dissonant voices. And they were censoring him that he couldn't go on ABC News for an interview. He went on ABC and they had to give a disclaimer at the beginning that they had to cut parts of it out because he questions vaccines, not just the COVID vaccine, but all vaccines. They're like, we here at ABC News, we have our standards and practices, and uh, what uh, uh, Mr. Kennedy here said was uh, was wrong, and we're not going to play that part. So, we're, and then what, what else are you going to ask him? So, how was your how was your uncle? How was your father? What, what were they like when you were a kid? No, it's it's ridiculous, and they they were censoring him, and I, I, like I was he, he's a dissident for a guy who's a Kennedy. He's a dissident voice, and you kind of just go, there may be an, an avenue for third party for this guy. Now, I don't like his response. I like his response with COVID. I l like his response with Ukraine. Did not like his response from Israel because it seemed very neocon, very much like what Joe Biden has said, very much like what uh, Ron DeSantis and what Nikki Haley have said. It's very standard talking point, like establishment talking points, and I'm like... Yeah, it's very, uh, very sad to see. Very, very sad to see that uh, RFK went down that that avenue. Um, not too much happening in May, which is why I can really skip through much of that. Uh, there was a story about a quarter of teenagers between the ages of 13 and 17 have identified as transgender, or I shouldn't say transgender, as queer. So, and it's a lot of girls who are like, I don't know if I like guys might be into girls but I might be into both or neither or whatever so they identify with a group because remember it's it's not okay to be white so you have to be something right you have to align with whatever ideology that you have so a lot of people say oh, maybe I'm queer I guess I could, uh, I could be the most popular kid in class queer kids don't get bullied in fact many of them as we saw with Audrey Hill some of them are actually bullies themselves 
I think the only other notable thing out of May was the death of Jordan Neely, the lunatic Michael Jackson impersonator who would be on the subway and dance along to Billie Jean and Thriller, but then he started really losing his mind and he was shoving old ladies onto uh, onto subways that are passing by and uh, screaming obscenities at them. And it was like, okay, this guy's uh, an absolute lunatic. And then he goes on the train and says, that I'm prepared to die, F all y'all, everything like that. And finally, you had a 24-year-old Marine who puts him in a, in a, like a, a chokehold, but not one where it's going to kill him, just like he's got to calm down. Well, just like George Floyd, he died of excited delirium. And now Daniel Penny could be up for murder charges. And you had riots and protests and everything in order of, again, a lunatic Michael Jackson impersonator who was extremely violent. But this was happening on subways. Yeah, okay, so Daniel Penny should, uh, if, if you're going to punish him for anything, he should serve a total of three and a half minutes behind bars and pay a $9 fine. And don't you ever do that again. I mean, this is, it, it was such a common occurrence. If you've ever been on a New York City subway and there's just somebody screaming, someone nude, someone doing something lewd, and what we found out was a, a lot of progressives in New York and East Coasters are like, yeah, we see that stuff all the time. That's just New York. Hey, them's the breaks of living in New York. You're just going to have to deal with it. No, we shouldn't. We live in a society where there should be some decorum. Instead, we're just like, oh, well, let, there's a homeless person that's uh, defecating right next to us on the subway. Don't say anything, though. We don't want to look racist. We don't want to look... Uh, uh, like we're xenophobic towards homeless people. No, no. So hopefully that gets taken taken away. Um, then we get to June. Uh, I kind of mentioned a little bit of that, the the pride celebrations. I think the one of the biggest one is the tranny at the lawn of the White House, the biological male who went through a bunch of surgery, including new breasts, that... He, now she, decided to show off at the White House after meeting Joe Biden. Hmm. Welcome to the White House. Thank you. <laughs> Happy Pride Month. Happy Pride Year. Happy Pride Life. Yeah. Transgender children. You are beautiful. You are heard. You belong. You are understood. You are loved. And you belong. Yeah. Some of the bravest and most inspiring people I've ever known. I mean, you're welcome. I have to stop it there. Transgender, who is a mental illness, transgenderism are the most bravest people. Joe Biden's around war veterans all the time. And yet, war veterans are not that brave, apparently. Apparently, being in gunfire, apparently having limbs blown off, and being around your buddy who may have been killed, or dealing with the after effects of being in war and uh, the PTSD, the Agent Orange, whatever else goes on trying to live a normal life, the homeless veterans, the depression, the suicide, everything like that. That's not brave. Uh, chopping your genitals off or just identifying as another gender is the bravest people, according to Joe Biden. Obviously, he doesn't mean that. It's clear pandering, but it's it's just embarrassing. 
Can we take a little video? Hi, Mr. President. It is an honor. Fans rights are human rights. Oh, it's a video. Oh, it's a video. By the way, Joe Biden was take, trying to take a selfie, but he used the video. Who hasn't done that? Uh, let's see, he's in his 80s. He doesn't know how this stuff works. Gay news. It's so damn Are we topless at the White House? So that's Rose Montoya, again, a biological male who identifies as a woman, again, got surgery to have breasts. And her, she was jiggling them topless at the, on the White House lawn. With, by the way, the White House had, did have an American flag, but had two pride flags on the side of it. Hmm. Again, USA stands for usury, sodomy, and abortion. And then they have biological females who are now male, who are also topless, showing off their scars. So it's like, it's weird as far as what you censor, is that that's a man who has new breasts, but then you have actual like female breasts, which are considered taboo for public consumption. But as long as you cut them out and have your scars, you can show them? Like what, a, a real conundrum there. And that really upset a lot of people, as it should, that that is being promoted. So, oh, we didn't know about the topless stuff. You did. This is what goes on. Come on, people. Come on. Let, let, let's let's cut the let's cut the crap. We all know that that's what was going on, and it's being promoted by the White House. It's not like this is a fringe organization. This isn't pink news. This isn't something. This is the White House. That you had the President of the United States and the First Lady are there as this is happening. It's cheered on at the highest levels of power. This is, again, this isn't fringe anymore. And I think people kind of were waking up to a lot of that going on this year. That's what really what this podcast is about, is people waking up and saying, huh, I thought you were a conspiracy theorist. I thought you were just some crazed type of person just shouting out, you know, get off my lawn at a lot of stuff. And then they're like, yeah, maybe I am becoming get off my lawn guy. Uh, Yeah, Target boycotts, other places boycotted. Um, uh. Oh yeah, Greta Thunberg. This is uh, she tweeted in 2018 that if we don't cut our carbon emissions, we'll be dead in five years. Well, guess what? Five years, we're still alive. We're still here. And uh, on the day of the five-year anniversary of that tweet, it was deleted. That's okay. Goodbye. And then the affirmative action crackdown in the Ivy League that uh, they're really finding out that there was discrimination against white people and Asians. And the only reason that that came about was that you can discriminate against white people, but Asians are still considered a minority group in this country. Uh, I'm kind of going through these a little bit. Uh, we have um, the I Promise School. That was a funny story. The I Promise School, LeBron James's school that opened when I was living down the street, about a mile or so from the former Rubber City McDonald's. And because uh, they didn't build their own new place, they just moved into a vacated office building for the local McDonald's company. And uh, so they they started as essentially a charter school, kind of, but it's a vanity project for LeBron. 
And in five years since it's open, they realize the test scores are abysmal. Kids can't even write their own name. Uh, there was a there was a murder that happened at the I Promise area, but uh, LeBron hasn't really sounded off on it. And uh, Ethan Limming, who was a white guy who was beaten, was killed. Uh, his attackers, uh, yeah, they weren't charged with murder. They got off. They were fine uh, because they they said that we don't know if he died because he fell to the pavement. Uh, or he was kicked in the head and bludgeoned. That's how he got brain damage and died. Uh, and uh, some people on the jury said that Ethan Lemming was there and he got hood justice, meaning you're allowed to assault. Uh, you're allowed to assault white people. That's that's okay. He's a white kid. Yeah. Oh, he was probably probably there under uh, nefarious circumstances. So eh, f f around, find out is what they always say. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the I Promise School, they found out the test scores were just dreadful. And uh, just recently, I think in the last week, Akron Public Schools and the I Promise School, the I Promise School, the executive director of the LeBron James Family Foundation, came out and was very disappointed in what? The, the fact that the test scores are low? No, they were disappointed in that the test scores got leaked to the media and the Akron Public Schools and the school board we're a little skeptical on what's going on at that place. And they're like, we're disappointed because you, we shouldn't measure children on their intelligence based solely on grades. No, I, I get that. But grades have something to do with it, and their grades are terrible. Kids can't write. They know they know all the slogans. They know all the t-shirts. Um, but that that's about it. They don't they they don't know what they don't know how to add twelve plus thirteen. Nothing like that. Just it, and people started waking up to it. Thankfully, uh, we get to August, and Neo was uh, there was a backlash against him because of he had a bunch of kids and was talking about trans stuff, and um, then uh, but he's still selling out arenas, so he didn't really get canceled. Um, is oh wait no I, I I well it's it's going into August, but we had two country songs that really uh, kicked up. So I mentioned earlier about country music that ideally they would have loved to have not played that song. And in fact, there were a couple of stations, I think many stations, dropped that song from the rotation. But as we saw with Morgan Wallen, Morgan Wallen, who said the N-word when he was hammered and wasn't calling somebody that, he was calling his white buddy with and ended with an A as opposed to the hard R. And he got dropped from every country station including one I was working with at the time. And uh, the band was like only a couple of months old because he got it so popular, people really liked the music. Once again, country music does not care about their audience. Country music, Nashville and Austin and wherever, they care more about New York and California than Tennessee and Texas. Just how it is. And that's why Morgan Wallen was the num- has basically been the number one streamed artist outside of Taylor Swift in the last couple of years. And it's it's incredible. He's he's adding dates to stadium shows. Morgan Wallen is. Now that was Jason Aldean, and then they start saying, "Well, you know, he filmed that music video in a place where someone was lynched 98 years ago." Yeah, because that's what Jason Aldean. He's probably put that together and said, 
Well, you know, no, no, that's Luke Bryan. Well, you know, uh, uh probably play here, and uh, so, some black guy got lynched here, but let, let's film. Uh, we know about it. No, no, they didn't know. He didn't know that. He even said he didn't know it, but I, th- I think he got a little taste of what country <laughs> really feels about him, that they wanted him canceled, and they started banning that video. Uh, and then there was the Rich Men North of Richmond with Oliver Anthony. I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay, so I can sit out here and waste my life away, drag back home and drown my troubles away, it's a damn shame. Okay, so he did that Rich Men North of Richmond song that I I thought, I'm like, okay, it's kind of a neat song, and then I, I started listening to it a couple more times, and realize that's such a loser mentality. It's a lot of loser stuff that, well, oh, feel bad for me. I feel bad. You know, uh, see, we're just getting screwed by Washington. No, I, I get it. Because what's north of Richmond? Virginia is D.C. And it's clever, but it seemed kind of a little psyopy. And then he's taking shirtless pictures with Burt Kreischer. And I'm like, ah, oh, come on. You're just you're just going a different avenue, but you really wanted to be liked by the establishment. Just how it happened. He just didn't fit the he's this red haired guy with his big beard. Work working all day. It's a little psyopy, if you ask me. Uh, on the topic of songs uh, and racism, we found out that saying in South Africa, "Kill the boar, shoot to kill," is not actually genocidal. It's not actually, it's, an, see, it's, it's all it is is an anti-apartheid uh, song that came out years ago. And they don't really mean that they want to murder white farmers in South Africa. No, that, see, that, we're not, that's not what we're talking about. Come on, everybody. The farmer, kill the poor, the farmer, brr, pa, pa, brr, pa, pa. I know we've been focused so much on Israel and Palestine this year, but we kind of forget about that, that, uh, yeah, they are murdering white farmers. They are killing the Boers in South Africa, uh, but we're not supposed to say anything. I mean, that is an entire football stadium. Now, American football or European or whatever, the, the original football, that looks like Cowboy Stadium. That looks, that looks like Jerry World down in Dallas, down in Arlington. Except the field is full of people, and they're all jumping and singing to that song. So you're talking about, I would say, 150,000 people in this venue saying, kill white farmers. And then the New York Times had to come out and say, it's not really saying that it's just a song come on yeah, there's songs about killing that you know songs about it. it's just it's not about that and then it, by the way it came out and they're like no we did sing a song because we mean that and then the new york times had to be quiet and they were quiet for the rest of september and uh going in towards uh, uh october 7th uh woke snow white this was classic the original cartoon came out in 1937, and very evidently so. <laughs> um, there's a big focus on her love story um, with a guy who literally stalks her. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Weird. Super weird. 
So we didn't do that this time. So they're coming out with a new Snow White where it's the seven dwarves are not dwarves because saying dwarf is apparently offensive and xenophobic and uh, an ableist and, you know, whatever. You don't, you don't, we, we use little person, but they weren't little persons. They were like moderately sized multiracial dwarves, but they're not dwarves. They're seven, seven Starbucks baristas is what they were. And then Snow White, who is a Latina woman or Latinx, <laughs> And then she's like, yeah, we're not going to do the normal Snow White. She's being stalked. Weird, weird. Ha, ha. Woke Snow White. And because of the backlash, once again, that's why you have to fight. You have to fight in these culture wars. People said, yeah, not a good idea. I'm not going to have my kids watch Snow White where Snow White is not kissed by the prince or anything and uh, that they're going to rework the story of her being a career woman who breaks through glass ceilings, who's a big feminist. And oh, by the way, she's not uh, actually white. Well, why does it matter that she has to be white? Uh, Because her, she's supposed to have skin as white as snow, right? Huh? Huh? Hmm? Rachel Ziegler. I think since then they've had to go and make tweaks to the new Snow White, the, the live-action Snow White that I don't know when that's coming out. Don't care. Don't have kids yet. Uh, but I, even if I did, I'm not going to have them watch any of that. Uh, Pope attacking traditional Catholics. That's been an ongoing thing, and it will continue as we head into 2024. And then we get to the other huge, quote-unquote, natural disaster that occurred in, in uh, the United States, although not in the continental United States. In Hawaii, in Maui, Maui had this massive, massive wildfire, yet uh, Joe Biden, he decided he was on vacation. He was on two separate vacations. Mr. President, are you going to take questions on Maui? Can you come talk about Maui? Can you come talk about Maui, Mr. President? And he's just riding his bike. Bye. Bye. I'm on vacation. Don't want to deal with it. Maui's ablaze, and because, you know, well, well, you know, George W. Bush, he took him how long for him to go to Hurricane Katrina? How many years did we hear about that? Oh, Bush didn't do any, Bush didn't do enough. In fact, Bush blew up the, the levees and Lake Pontchartrain. I mean, I, I'm more conspiracy driven nowadays, but I, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going with that, but they say, well, he, he didn't do enough. Bush didn't do enough. Well, now you have a wildfire, and Joe Biden is seen shirtless on the beach getting sun. Oh, come on, man. I'm not going back. He actually, so Joe Biden went on two vacations, and but he did take one day he did go to Maui until he went to Tom Steyer's place in Lake Tahoe for a uh, 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 a fundraiser, a Democrat fundraiser. So that's all he was doing. He goes to Maui for one day and he's like, hey, boots, wearing boots on the ground. Come on, man. I mean, it's it's just incredible. Here's more Biden. Mr. President, will you be going to Maui? What are you doing in Nevada? Just ignoring reporters. That was in mid-August. Yeah, man. We'll go, we'll go Lake Tao. But then he does go to Maui. And what does he do? He, he falls asleep. Oh, yeah. We are a community that relies on family, on ohana, whether by blood or by friendship. 
but like many others, we are So there's a community note with that video on Twitter, and they say, well, he, he, we looked at really, really high-definition cameras and realized that we could see the whites of his eyes. He wasn't asleep. He was just, you know, in concentration. I've seen Joe Biden in this state. He's sleeping. He nodded off for a little bit. He's, they're talking about the, the devastation that occurred in Maui, and he just takes a little, little cat nap. Little cat nap sitting at the table. And then, because everybody knows what it looks like when you get woken up, if you're if you're nodding off in a chair, and someone's like, "So Tony, the, the, you know, I thought that was pass interference right there. That, uh, but apparently the refs are letting him play the game, right? Tony, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, it's yeah, it's ridiculous. That's what happens. That's what what was going on. We've seen him do this before at the UN. We've seen him do it at other places where he is nodded off, and either it has to have somebody tap him." Or somebody gets on a microphone, goes a little bit too loud, and then he goes, everybody has done this in their lives. So when everybody has to carry water, literally, out in Maui, for Joe Biden, uh, and he's asleep during this. And then what does he do? He goes to Lake Tahoe after that. Um, But that's not even the worst part. The sleeping is not the worst part. It's, once again, the lack of care. Now, he did go there, unlike East Palestine, but... What did they do? They sent payments of $700 for family, not just individual. Checks for the family for 700 bucks to recoup. There were probably about 1,000 people, if not more, that were killed. There was a horrible story of a woman who couldn't find her son. And the authorities, the local authorities there, assured her that, nope, we've cleared the area, everything's fine. Well, she defied that went to the area, did find her son. Her son was burnt to a crisp along with his dog that he was hugging as they were caught in this wildfire. And we hear nothing of it. I mean, Maui is nothing. Uh, Except for me talking about it on this podcast, or if you live in Maui, you don't remember this. You're busy talking about Palestine and, and uh, not Palestine, but Palestine and Israel. We're hearing about all that conflict. This happened this year. This happened a couple of months ago. There were so many lives lost during this, and we just go, eh, whatever. I mean, again, if Donald Trump were president and he went there for a little bit, they're still criticizing him because he threw paper towels like he was shooting baskets. And Biden spends a couple, like two hours, and then he goes to Lake Tahoe. It's ridiculous. And we hear nothing about that. East Palestine and Maui are the two biggest stories. I hate to bury the lead for tomorrow's podcast. The biggest stories of the year. Yet, it shrugged shoulders. And guess what? Those people in Maui, they're still going to vote Democrat. They'll vote for Joe Biden next year. Even if they weren't happy with his response. That's just how conditioned people are when it comes to which team, which side you're on. Because Donald Trump uh, led an insurrection. Just because, even though Joe Biden and his administration did absolutely nothing for us, uh, and neither did the local government, we'll still vote for him. It's unbelievable. Uh, Then we have, uh, in September, we have Burning Man, which was funny. Burning Man Festival 2023. Do you know what's going on? Does anyone know what's going on? The ongoing disaster, which is being referred to as a biblical washout, has already resulted in one death. This unfortunate death is just the most recent in a long chain of mysterious deaths that have happened. 
So Burning Man, for people who don't remember what happened, there was a, uh, it was kind of biblical if you think about it, a massive flood. I mean, you're talking about being in the desert. You go out into this remote area, and then at the end, they, they have this effigy that they burn, and then everybody cleans up after that, except they didn't. And there's a lot of crap that people left over that is kind of like going to any rock concert, just throw your beer cans and your cigarette butts on the ground. That's what happened. And so it happened at Burning Man. But Burning Man, they made it seem like, oh, this is all the hippies, they all get together. Now, these are all tech bros. These are trust fund millennials and Zoomers and tech bros who are cosplaying as, oh, I'm just one of the people. Oh, but my private jet's about two miles away. I could just walk or I'll get a chauffeur and I'll head back and I'll take my jet back over to Silicon Valley. Um, I mean, that's just, it, it was unbelievable. But then it starts torrentially downpouring and, People are getting flooded out. Somebody died. There was, once again, there's rapes. There's, uh, you know, everything going on at that. And it just, it's a pagan festival. Instead of, oh, I don't know, going to church and worshiping a uppercase God, you worship this lowercase G God in, uh, in burning an effigy. It's just, it's, it was hilarious. And sometimes God does have a sense of humor and he unleashed the, he unleashed the storm clouds on that ridiculous festival. Um, uh, Russell Brand canceled for a little bit. They tried to... Russell Brand has been also a very dissident voice with his podcast and speaking out over certain things. He was on Bill Maher's show talking about the uh, pharmaceutical industry. And then all of a sudden, he speaks on pharmaceuticals. And uh, then it's like, oh, there was a woman who claimed that he was uh, uh, inappropriate towards her in 2007. And then they're trying to cancel him. And then uh, YouTube and other places demonetized him from doing his show. It was ridiculous. Uh, the Taylor Swift. Uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, you notice I really haven't talked much about Taylor Swift. I don't have to. But this is when she started dating Travis Kelsey. And there is a little story of when she goes to New York. Because uh, a lot of it, there's a conspiracy theory that says that she started dating Travis Kelsey and traveled to East uh, East Rutherford to the Meadowlands to go watch him play the New York Jets. So therefore, when you look up Taylor Swift Jets on Google, any post that says something about how she can criticize us for our carbon consumption and everything and what we need to, what we're emitting, uh, yet she has a private jet to fly around the world. Well, then if it's Taylor Swift jets. Then the algorithm changed to Taylor Swift visits her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, as the Chiefs play the Jets. Kind of brilliant. Very brilliant PR, brilliant marketing there. Uh, October was taken up basically by one thing, but uh, before October 7th, Trevor Bauer finally, finally spoke out about uh, why he got suspended. Next victim, star pitcher for the Dodgers. A text Lindsay Hill sent to a friend before she ever even met me. What should I steal? She asked another in reference to visiting my house for the first time. The answer, take his money. So how might that work? I'm going to his house Wednesday, she said. I already have my hooks in. You know how I roll. Then after the first time we met, net worth is 51 mil, she said. Bitch, you better secure the bag, was the response. Uh, but, but how is she gonna do that? Need daddy to choke me out, she said. Being an absolute whore to try to get in on his 51 million, read another text. Then, after the second time we met, former Padres pitcher Jacob Nix told her, you gotta get this bag. I'll give you 50000 Lindsay replied. Her AA sponsor asked her at one point, do you feel a tiny bit guilty? Not really, 
she replied. Since then, her legal team has approached me multiple times about coming to a financial settlement. But as I have done since day one, I refuse to pay her even a single cent. Uh, in August of 2021, Lindsay Hill's claims were heard in court. And during those legal proceedings, critical information was deliberately and unlawfully concealed from me and my legal team. So it goes on. It, it's been viewed, gosh, 75 million times. And what it was is Trevor Bauer got suspended from the league from Major League Baseball after signing a massive contract with the Dodgers a couple of years ago because a woman came forward and said that he was very abusive towards her during sex. And what we now know, and it's he's been cleared, is that MLB acted that way out of guilt, and they're like, oh, we're all about the Me Too movement. We're all, you know, anybody who wants to come forward, please don't hesitate, and we'll suspend him indefinitely. And, well. and so he went through this for over two years of a girl who just, if anything that he could be accused of is uh, uh, he likes having fairly rough intercourse, I guess. Uh, but outside of that, eh, eh, she was like choking herself and punching herself and everything. In fact, there, the day that she claimed that she was abused, he shows a video in the, that video of him sleeping and she showing herself, basically trying to bruise. It, she has no bruises on herself. Oh, he gave me a fat lip, and he's uh, no. And so he, Trevor Bauer has essentially been exonerated, but it doesn't matter because the story is what mattered. The narrative at the beginning is what mattered. Trevor Bauer, this bro, this jock, was abusive towards a woman, and uh, now he has all the evidence saying, "Yeah, I didn't do any of that." And Major League Baseball's like, "Eh, whatever." Oh well, that's okay. Well, that's we we got our narrative out there. So you know, screw them, screw MLB. Uh, yeah, there was that. Uh, there was that incident that happened in uh, Israel on October seventh. <laughs> do do I really need to talk more about it? I think everybody has discussed it. Although I think what's interesting is what's come out in the last couple of weeks. Is we've heard a lot of things pop up in this debate. And when I say debate, because the Middle East has been a hotbed for centuries, but especially in the last 75 years of violence, and including 1967 and the early 70s, and then since 2005, it's been very hot. Uh, but then this attack, this Hamas attack in, uh, in on October 7th, and yet there, you're noticing the support for Israel around the world and Westerners and Millennials and Zoomers has precipitously dropped. There's not because you, baby boomers, especially Christian Zionists, have been very uh, in favor of of Israel, Israel's right to exist, everything like that. There's a lot of Holocaust survivors still with us right now, but eventually those will start dying, and you have a newer generation who has no attachment other than, yeah, I guess my grand great-grandmother was in the Holocaust, but it doesn't affect me. So support for Israel has gone down a lot now. And feeling that there was a justification for the attack, I'm not saying it was justified. And I'm also not saying what Israel has done since then and before then to, to Gaza, to Palestine, to the people is justified. It's a, it's a really rough subject right now. But I think what's interesting has been the Western response. 
the uh, the wedge issue, I've been mentioning it is a very wedge issue for Democrats and Republicans right now. More of the establishment uh, Republicans are going, we need more money for Israel, more, we need to help them with their defense. That uh, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, even Donald Trump to a certain extent have pledged more money, more resources for Israel, anything they can do. Uh, Mike Johnson, even Javier Millet, the new uh, prime minister down in Argentina has visited there. And so, it, you know, there's a lot of support there. But then you have these squad types in the Democrat Party, because this is why it's more of a wedge issue for Democrats, is the donors are very pro-Israel and the supporters, the, the woke left, as we call them, is more pro-Palestine. Now, does that mean they're not going to vote for Joe Biden next year? No, they'll vote for Joe Biden. They've been told to, and they will. But uh, it's going to be a, an interesting way that this plays out. As what we saw coming out, and this is even though, whoop, I bumped my volume there. Sorry about that. Um, but this is what's going to come out. Of, this came out in December, so I'm kind of skipping ahead, but it's all related to October, is when you had the Ivy League presidents I guess somewhat defending and taking a free speech angle by saying that when you hear these pro-Palestinian chants on your campuses at UMass, at MIT, at, or I mean UPenn, at MIT, at Harvard, are you justifying, is this a free speech claim? Or are you saying that you're allowing genocidal chants? Like there's no nuance saying from the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free means murdering of Jews. Is that what you're saying? And they kind of tried sidestepping it for a bit. Dr. Kornbluth, does M at MIT, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate MIT's code of conduct or rules regarding bullying and harassment? Yes or no? If targeted at individuals not making public statements. Yes or no? Calling for the genocide of Jews does have, not constitute bullying and harassment? I have not heard calling for the genocide for Jews on our campus. But you've heard chants for intifada. I've heard chants, which can be anti-Semitic depending on the context, when calling for the elimination of the Jewish people. Okay, and it goes on. You've probably heard the clips over and over again. But she ended up getting axed. So did the the, the UPenn president as well. Um, but, uh, but Harvard stuck around. Why? Because of ESG and DEI. Once again, more people are waking up to these scams that are DEI and ESG, which is environmental social governance and diversity, equity, and inclusion. Claudine Gay is the only black woman on there who has been popped several different times for plagiarism. Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, who, again, an affirmative action hire, they bring her, and I, I kind of like the fact that she's the only one who survived because it's showing them that Skin color matters. We'll get rid of the white people, the white ladies, and we're going to keep the black woman, even though she's plagiarized, she's lied about everything in her life, but we're going to keep her on board. Actually, it came out recently that Barack Obama secretly pressured Harvard to keep her because of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Good job, everybody. People are waking up to it finally. But uh, yeah, and then the nuanced debate, because I, I do believe, unlike a lot of especially conservatives, they'll say that there is no nuance, in, including Elise Stefanik. Um, I think there is a little nuance when we say from the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free, because I don't necessarily think that's like shoot to shoot the boar, shoot to kill, kill the boar. Um, I don't think that's, I mean, that's pretty blatant what they're saying in South Africa. But these dumb white people in, you know, Brooklyn, 
with the beards and the hipsters and the flannel that are saying from the river to the sea. They don't, do they, do they mean the murder of Jewish people or are they just saying that uh, Palestine should get that land back and then the Jews can go somewhere else? I, I don't know. I think that there's a lot of stupid Westerners who are just saying things because they're told to. They saw them on TikTok. There was a story that uh, TikTok started waking up and or TikTok came across the Osama bin Laden letter to America and we're like, eh, say what you will about bin Laden, but you got to hand it to him. It's like, no, you, you can't hand it to him. So it's going to be interesting going forward with, with this debate and the, the support or lack thereof coming uh, from and towards Israel is going to be fascinating. Uh, but yeah, that was in October. November, Republicans in Ohio, we had issue one on the ballot and issue two. One was an abortion measure. One was legalization of marijuana. Here's Tucker Carlson talking about it. I'm really struck by the, the ballot initiatives that your voters will be facing in November. I'm struck because they're so very different from the politics that I covered for the bulk of my life. I'm 54, been covering this stuff since I was 22. Most of that time, the debates that we had in the political sphere were over competing visions for how to improve people's lives. But when you wind up in an election where the two top ballot initiatives are, one, encouraging people to kill their own kids, and two, encourage their kids to do drugs, who's benefiting here? I'm serious. The one unalloyed source of joy in your life is your children. The point of life is to have children and to watch them have grandchildren. Nothing will bring you joy like that will. Nothing comes close. Would you trade your job for your children? Would you trade anything for your children? Of course not. So issue one, uh, issue one passed and the marijuana law passed. So it's more, more abortions in Ohio. Uh, they, were, they were trying to use that one story of the, with the girl who was like 10 or 11 years old who had to cross state lines to get an abortion when we didn't get to the real story that it was her stepfather or mother's boyfriend who was an illegal immigrant who raped her. and uh, But no, we, we got to get to whatever is good for the narrative and not that he should have been deported or not should not should have been here in the first place. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that's what I, what I say earlier in the podcast. USA, usury, sodomy, and abortion. Those are our rights that we have in society. And, and just, yeah, more, and by the way, Pot is just such cringe stuff. Well, dude, what's wrong with smoking a joint? People are behind bars right now for smoking a joint. It's like, no, they're not. They're really not. All those marijuana crimes. Yeah, maybe in the 70s that was something, but uh, virtually, I'll say to save myself here, virtually no one's in prison right now for decades because they got caught with a, a joint or a bowl of marijuana. It's just, it's not, no. No, it's not the case. It's usually for something else. It's usually more having like a, a bunch of drugs on them, with them, it, with the intent to sell. And uh, I don't know. So there's that. Um, yeah, Mike Johnson released the one six tapes. Uh, one of the big stories, of course, Elon Musk against Media Matters, who is taking him out of context. And then Elon Musk against the boycotts because these companies like Disney... Bob Iger was coming out saying, you know, uh, oh, we're going to, and Apple and all these other places were like, we're going to pull our advertising from Twitter X because of the rise in anti-Semitism that's on the platform. When in reality, the rise in anti-Semitism is actually on TikTok, but they're not pulling their ads from that. Of course not. Chinese TikTok, 
they actually teach kids stuff, and it's, you know, more educational. In America, we teach you uh, to chop your testicles off and identify as a woman and, uh, I don't know, dance for some ridiculous dance, stupid song. I don't know. So, uh, you probably remember this is very recent. It's about a month ago, but uh, Elon Musk on the boycotts. What does he have to say about that? Apology tour, if you will. This had been said online. There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger today. I hope today. they stop. You hope? Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If, if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go fuck yourself. But go fuck yourself. <laughs> Is that clear? I hope it is. Hey, Bob, if you're in the audience. How about that? I mean, Elon, because that's what they're saying. Oh, there's so much anti-Semitism on the app, so that's, therefore we need to pull out of Twitter. And he's like, you're not going to blackmail me with that. There's, there's a lot of varying opinions on Elon Musk, but I think the biggest thing is that he bought Twitter to turn it into the public square, what it should have been in the first place. And it, largely is back. Twitter is as good as it was 12 years ago when I was on there, 12, 13 years ago. So 20, 2009, 2010, 2011. Twitter used to be the place where it was kind of like the old cigar lounge. You all get together, yeah, you disagree on politics, disagree on your favorite team, but you know what? At the end of the day, we'll find some kind of common ground, and hey, maybe we'll get together where, where you live. Oh, Chicago, well, I'm in Cleveland. Like, hey, next time I'm in the Windy City, let's get together for a drink. Oh, I know a great place in Wrigleyville. That's what Twitter was. That's what Twitter, Twitter still could be. But it rapidly became infected by the people who've ruined every other social media outlet, especially Facebook, MySpace. Uh, and then uh, then you had the feds getting involved, as we found out with the Twitter files at the end of 2022, that you had these former feds that ended up getting jobs with Twitter in their marketing department. They had private Slack channels with other previous feds talking about how they can censor more information like the Hunter Biden laptop story and everything like that. And and with the help of Yoel Roth and everybody else who's involved with Twitter to censor a lot of mis and disinformation on COVID, on Hunter Biden, on Joe Biden, on Donald Trump and January 6th. And there were certain keywords if you use them, like if you said, uh, what was his name? Eric Karamia or something, I believe is one of those names. And then there was another one. Um, that, again, if you were saying, like, learn to code, if you were telling a journalist who told coal miners in West Virginia who were losing their jobs, when they're like, you know, if you learn coding, you probably won't keep your job. But, uh, uh. So when journalists started losing their jobs at Deadspin, at uh, Gawker, at some of these other places, and you tweeted at a journalist and said, hey, maybe you should learn to code, then you were getting censored. You were getting banned from the platform for a day, for a week, for altogether. Well, Elon buys Twitter in 2022, and since then, yeah, you can buy a check mark. Yeah, you can, but you could post more videos. You can uh, have longer form conversations. You, you don't have to tweet in the uh, 280 characters anymore. You can do whatever you want now. And we and he's brought back a lot of people who are banned for ridiculous reasons. It's not like he brought back people who just drop the N word constantly. If you do that now, you're gonna get banned, as you should. It's just stu it's just stupid to do. But 
for people who got banned for dumb reasons because they question mask mandates, uh, they're back now. And the people who wanted more censorship, they're, they went over to Threads. Remember Threads? Yeah, that was, <laughs> Instagram's going to start their own Twitter. Ron Perlman's like, you, uh, I'm piecing out of Twitter. I ain't coming back here. Ron, because I'm Ron Perlman. I was the beast. I was in Sons of Anarchy back in the day, and I am, I was Hellboy, and I'm going yeah, to go someplace that's nicer, a.k.a. more censorship. So you want what, talking about your favorite popsicles, or you want to talk about uh, how we all need to get vaccinated before 4th of July. Threads bombed, and Ron Perlman and all of them are back to Twitter, which is hilarious. Welcome back. I, I, I don't know how Twitter's growth is, and I don't even know if it was probably in the long run a great investment, but as far as a personal investment and as far as free speech goes, it's one of the greatest things to happen to free speech since the Declaration of Independence. And I'm not, that's not hyperbole. I truly believe that, that we can finally have conversations and not worry about getting, like an actual, for real, intelligent conversation, not have to worry about getting banned from it. So thank you to Elon Musk. Um, yeah, I mentioned Javier Malay. Derek Chauvin was stabbed 20-something times on Black Friday. Why Black Friday? It was a former... Again, a, a, a former Fed who was in prison who stabbed him on Black Friday in solidarity with Black Lives Matter. Derek Chauvin, in my opinion, will be murdered at some point in prison. He shouldn't be in there in the first place. If you watch the fall of Minneapolis, Derek Chauvin should be out. Everything should be fine. Uh, George Floyd died of fentanyl. He died of excited delirium. He did not die because Derek Chauvin put his knee in the back of his neck. There was no strangulation. There were no broken bones. There was no asphyxiation. George Floyd killed George Floyd. But Derek Chauvin had to be put to, sent to prison or else these cities would have burned down even more than they did in 2020. Um, and, and I guess he tried for appeal recently and that got shot down. Everyone was happy about it. And they're even more happy that he got stabbed thinking that he should, they should have finished the job. I would, I'd venture to say almost half the country would venture to say, or I would venture to say that half the country would be fine if Derek Chauvin was killed. He shouldn't be. He, sh he should be out right now. Uh, but that, just my opinion, he's going to die in there. And it's, it's really sad that that's, that's not, that's not the true justice system. There's no justice there. Well, there's no justice for George Floyd. Maybe if George Floyd took care of George Floyd, then he'd still be alive, but he wasn't. Um, Deadspin, I mentioned taking the L where they, they, uh, they say, oh, did you see that kid with that? He's wearing blackface and a headdress. That's doubly racist until he realized he was not wearing blackface. Half his face was black, half was red. And it was because of for the chief's colors. And he wore a headdress because he is actually a legitimate American Indian. In fact, his grandfather is the head of some tribe. So he's a big chief's fan. He wore the headdress because he is... Although the, the, you had people say, well, even still, he shouldn't be uh, p uh, propagating those stereotypes. No. Then Deadspin had to... put. I don't even think Deadspin retracted that. I think they're just going to try and tread water. But it's so funny, you have to meme these people, just like Bud Light, just like Target, just like everything else I've mentioned this year. Meme them, mock them. Anytime Deadspin posts about something like uh, uh, a like college football game or 
uh, 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 Giannis Antetokounmpo was trying to get uh, his basketball back from breaking a record or whatever. Every time you look in the comments, someone like, hey, uh, have you apologized uh, to that kid that you tried to say was a racist? So it's, it's just really funny how that works. Uh, yeah, I mentioned Claudine Gay, all that. Uh, wait, which one was this? I don't remember. Oh, nope, I already played that one. Um, yeah, DEI. Then there was the Satan statue in the Iowa State Capitol. That was uh, taken down by a guy that, yeah, there, there was some funny business with him, who, who that was. But you had these libertarians, and even some conservatives are like, well, you know what, the Church of Satan, have, they have their right to exist too. No, they don't. Because the Church of Satan is not a church. It's not a religion. It's a cosplaying atheist group of, of millennials and Gen Xers who hate Christianity, who hate God. Because that's the thing. They don't actually worship Satan. They don't worship anything. They don't worship God. They don't worship Satan. And by the way, in order to worship Satan, you should also... Uh, you, you acknowledge that God exists because there has to be somewhere else. I acknowledge there's a Satan. I don't know if it's necessarily Beelzebub with this horns and and the tail and the trident, uh, but I do believe that there is some kind of uh, uh, satanic imagery and, and you know feelings of Satan that are around. But I also believe in God. So these are atheists that don't believe in God, but you believe in Satan? No, don't buy that. That's why they're not a church. That's not why they're not a religion. That's why that thing at the Iowa State Capitol had to come down. So there's that. Good for them. Uh, Alex Jones has returned to Twitter, which is uh, which is amazing because Alex Jones was probably the most prominent person banned until Trump was banned from all social media after January 6th. Uh, <clears throat> Alex Jones was really the first domino because Richard Spencer and David Duke at that time, I don't know if they're still on there, but they weren't banned. In fact, it wasn't long before the Richard Spencer was on CNN that David Duke could be on some kind of panel, even if they disagree. But Alex Jones can't. Why not? Well, he said that Sandy Hook didn't happen. He said it was a false flag. Now, essentially, what they got was they started going after him after the Pizzagate thing, and, uh, and then he was going through a divorce, and they were trying to find any way to take down Alex Jones. And this was a perfect time for it. So they said, oh, he questioned Sandy Hook, and then he was sued for, I think they said like over a billion, but I think there were some were saying that he may be sued for over a trillion dollars, because every time he mentioned a product or something, even though in the tens, maybe hundreds of thousands of hours of his show, he only mentioned Sandy Hook for like six total minutes. And all he said was he wouldn't be surprised if it was some kind of psyop. And he's apologized. He said, I was wrong. I was wrong. Okay. You know, sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm wrong. Here is Alex Jones, by the way, talking about another big thing that happened in December, which was the, oh, wait, no. Um, yeah, no. Uh, oh, wait, no, I'll get, that'll, that'll be the last thing I'll get to because there was an, there's another update to it. But here is Alex Jones talking about the breaking news. Probably one of the biggest stories of the year was the Colorado Supreme Court case trying to keep Trump off the ballot. This is big. Ladies and gentlemen, the Democratic Party just stole the 2024 election long before the polls opened. By the way, you can actually talk about stuff like that now and not worry about getting banned. 
the Supreme Court of Colorado in a 4-3 decision without Trump ever being convicted of January 6th or any other garbage just said Trump is off the ballot in the primary so you can't vote for him to be president. And they say other states will follow. We've seen Jack Smith and the politically motivated operations. We've seen trials in New York without juries against Trump. This is criminal activity in front of everyone. This is the oligarchy that's hijacked our country setting up a totalitarian dictatorship in our face. So, yeah, <clears throat> that's going to be a huge story to watch out for as we head into 2024 and all the court cases in New York and Florida, in Georgia, in D.C. that Trump is going to have to deal with. And, oh, by the way, we're going to keep him off the ballot because of some uh, insurrectionist Confederate 14th Amendment that is really also not clear from that. And also, Trump was never charged with insurrection. You notice that. It's just that's their interpretation is that Trump was encouraging people to go into the Capitol. No, no, no. That was Ray Epps, who's free right now. <laughs> just amazing. Final story I'll mention because there is a little bit of an update. Uh, Senator Cardin. Uh, here he is talking about that January 6th, an insurrection, talking about how, how uh, sacred those chambers are. How dare anything like that uh, pop up. January the 6th like December the 7th and September the 11th, is a date which will live in infamy. I refer to U.S. Capitol as sacred space because it's so much more than a building where the Senate and the House of Representatives meet and conduct business. It is the embodiment of our ideals, our aspirations, and hope, not just to Americans, but also to all of humanity. So that's Senator Ben Cardin, who's a Democrat, talking about how the, the U.S. Capitol and the Senate chamber and the Senate floor is a sacred space. Uh, except, uh, let's fast forward a couple of years, and Senator Cardin's staffer was caught having gay sex in that sacred space. So, what is sacred? So, that, so what, so having sexual relations, and by the way, he came out saying that uh, that staffer, his name was like Aiden something. It was a Polish name. Well, it was a hyphenated Polish name, which I I kick him out of the Polish race there. <laughs> uh, was talking about, uh, uh, I'm being punished for who I love by politically motivated Republicans. It's like, you, had, you filmed yourself having relations, having sex, gay sex in the Senate, uh, in the chambers. And we're now finding out there's more tapes of other staffers doing that same thing as well. Uh, very lewd acts. I'm not going to say what they are, but lewd acts inside the Senate chambers. So when they say that uh, the, the Senate and the, the Capitol is a sacred ground because of January 6th, because a guy with horn hats uh, uh, sat on Nancy Pelosi's desk and somebody else took a lectern, that was bad, but... You know, God forbid you do that, uh, but that's okay. You're you can you can have uh, you'd have gay sex and film it and put it out there and and say it's an attack on all. It's just like with the, any attack on Pete Buttigieg. Oh, it's because you're homophobic. Any attack on um, uh, any criticism of Corinne Jean Pierre, the press secretary, is oh you you hate her why? Because she's black. She's a woman. She's gay. She's an immigrant. You hate. What I've, we're finding out in 2023 is that that doesn't work anymore. That's not working the way it did 
even just a couple of years ago, that I think people are getting ready for whatever's to come next into 2024. There's going to be something. We don't know what it is. Is it a cyber virus? Is it a pathological? Is it, uh, you know, are, are, are we going to get sick? Is there going to be another type of COVID that happens where we have to mail in our ballots? Are they going to arrest Donald Trump and uh, that he's going to have to run a campaign if he's even allowed to from behind bars? Uh What's going to happen? Is Joe Biden still going to be with us by the time we hit November of 2024? Like physically or just off the ballot? Is is he going to get replaced because his, he's in a weakened state? Or does he take a bad fall off of uh, <laughs> the steps and you, you God only knows what's going to happen? There's a lot of questions, but I think the the white pill to come out of this year, out of 2023, is... People have noticed things, and they, they're noticing isn't just conspiracy theory. They've noticed that DEI is a scam. They've noticed that corporations do not like them. They've noticed that uh, that Ukraine and in is is just a ridiculous waste of money in a lot of ways and sending all that stuff over. They've noticed the government doesn't really care about them as far as quote unquote natural disasters happen. They've, they've recognized a lot of that stuff in this year, and I think that's what's great about it, is that we have finally achieved that time where people that two, three years ago would call you a tinfoil hat conspiracy guy are like, now I get it now. Now I see what's happening. If they're trying to bar the, the, the once duly elected president from running again in the state of Colorado and other states are going to do that, even if the Supreme Court, which will overturn this, but it's political posturing right now because he's not going to Trump's not going to win Colorado anyways because it's just a bunch of pot smokers. But I think people have woken up there. That's why there's an attachment to Trump who was not an establishment figure that RFK, not an establishment figure. Why people seem to really like Elon Musk and what he's been able to do, not only just with SpaceX and Tesla, but buying Twitter and allowing us to have these conversations and posting these podcasts that people are waking up to what the 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 LGBTQ movement is that it's not this fringe group of people that just want to be just we want to be loved and we want now that there's a little bit more to it and it's very as what 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 it used to be called the the mauve mafia back in the day that if you criticize them uh the swifties that there there's a lot of people who seem to like Taylor Swift but there are also people that if you criticize her on social media you're going to get attacked for it there's a lot of noticing. 2023 is the noticing year. Um, that's I, I think a lot of it is why COVID is not as much of a thing. That uh, they're like, yeah, no, nah, I'm not going to take any more boosters. Yeah, I'm not going to wear my mask anywhere. It's a good thing. But could this be that what I said earlier in the podcast nearly two hours ago? Is this a calming of the, calm before the storm? Is this the eye of the storm? Are we getting ready for something big coming up next year? I think next year is going to be a very, very crazy, crazy time. Well, I appreciate you folks for listening. If you stuck around the whole podcast, I do appreciate it. I know it's like a Joe Rogan-style long form. I don't usually do two hours of a podcast, but uh, yeah, I'm actually recording this on Christmas Eve. I've had some time, had some 
some caffeine, and uh, yeah, I'm getting ready to have my Christmas, but I know it's after Christmas by the time you listen to this. I hope you had a great one. I hope you have a great new year. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This is the free edition. I've got the Rumble edition coming out tomorrow where I do go in depth with more of this and more of these stories. So you don't have to listen to that, or you could listen to both of them, and it's more of just me as opposed to the audio clips. But uh, just in case you don't hear that, it's on different platforms. So I thank you for listening and watching this podcast, and I will be back with you with another free episode of the Check Your Brain podcast coming up next week. If you want more of this, go to patreon.com slash Tony Mazur, where you get more podcasts just like this every week, several times a week, for as little as three bucks a month. So again, my name is Tony Mazur. Thank you for listening to today's Check Your Brain podcast, and uh, have yourselves a wonderful 2023. Keep your... Keep your head up. Keep the faith, everybody. Bye, everyone.